Mark, thanks for uh, for joining us on the Bang Drop this morning. Oh, it's great to be on. Great to be on, Matt. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so I feel like I, uh, the golf world is a small place. I feel like I know I know more about your life than I probably should, uh, with your wife being in the industry. Uh, but uh, you were at a country music concert this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. It is a small world. You're right. Uh, the golf business is a very small world. Yeah, we went to see uh, Eric Church both uh, Friday and Saturday night this past weekend. All right. Eric Church. I'm not a country music f- fan. You I should be. I should be, okay. <laughs> Is that your go-to brand? That's Is why that? I have this cold. <laughs> oh, from the, the party on Saturday night? Yes. Gotcha. Uh, no, Eric Church. Is that one of your favorites? Is that someone you listen yes. to? Right? Yeah, he's one of our favorites. Nice. He's one of our favorites. And we've got our good pal, uh, give him a plug, Pat Nagel, that runs uh, Allstate Arena in Rosemont. So he's, uh, he's a golf nut, and uh, he helps us out once in a while when there's when there's good acts that come to town that we'd like to see. I, my, uh, Mark here, our co-founder of new club, he likes to compare golf to, uh, to music a lot. Um, and we, we occasionally will have some music on the golf course. Are you pro music on the golf course against music on the golf course? I'm pro music on the golf course. And, uh, I think in, if there is a such thing as a past or a next lifetime, I would like to be a uh, lead guitar player lead, in a rock band. Lead guitar. <laughs> yeah, I'm very pro music. Okay, like all types of music. Is is the uh, the dream of, of guitar? Does that stem from anything? No, never played a musical instrument <laughs> in my life. Is that uh, just thought it would be cool to be a rock star? Yeah, and like Mark says, it's not that different from uh, holding a golf club in your hand. Sometimes you know, like yeah. you're on stage. You, you know, that first tee is is a stage. You got to perform under pressure. It's not that different. Same with being a club pro. You know, whether you're playing or not, we're on stage all the time. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Mark probably likes me more now that I said I wish I was a rock star. He he definitely does. That's that's pulling at his heartstrings. <laughs> there you go. That's me. That's what I want to be. <laughs> that's your future life or post. Maybe it was a post life. Yeah. Um, so uh, so many things I, w- I want to chat with you about just around the game of golf. Uh, that's. Uh, I'm glad you're the one with the notes and not me. <laughs> Just some things I jotted down here. I think I'll start. Um, man, where do where do I want to start? So one one thing I saw that you uh, put on is a event. I hope I have this right. Guns and hoses. Yes. Which is a, a charity event. Tell, tell us a little bit about that because I I've never heard of anything like it, and I thought it was pretty. Well, interesting I do enough. need to give credit to my buddy Curtis Malm, who's the pro at White Eagle. Uh, he. Uh, I stole the event from him. They don't have it there anymore, but uh, he uh, he told me about it. It was an event that they were doing, and then I brought it to our golf committee and to our board here. And what it is is we invite um, the first responders from uh, the area. So it started with firefighters and police from the four towns that kind of touch Ruth Lake. So... We're right on the border of Hinsdale, Willowbrook, Burr Ridge, and Clarendon Hills. And then DuPage County also services us. So there's five, start with those five police stations, and then um, there's, I think, uh, two towns that have their own firefighters, and then there's other community ones, like one's called Pleasant Pleasant View. So the first year it started, it was kind of small. We had 57 people. Last year was the second year. We had 72. And we, I send out an email to our members, and I also send it out to all of the 
manufacturer sales reps that I deal with. I let them know about the event, uh, and then I ask them uh, for donations. And we'll get tickets to sporting events. We'll get cash donations. Ruth Lake donates the golf course. Ruth Lake donates the food and beverage. We have we have gotten some help from uh, food and beverage pro- uh, providers uh, in the past. And, um, yeah, the first year we had it, every single player walked out with, there's no event, um, they just go out and they play golf. And then they come in and we have a raffle. And everyone walked out with a prize worth more than $100. So it was really cool. That's and then awesome. last year it grew to 72 So it's cool. It's, uh, it's one of the ways that me as a club pro uh, and an employee of Ruth Lake and the members of Ruth Lake, it's kind of a nice way that we can give back to our community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I've never heard of anything quite like it. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I'm surprised to hear it's only the third year just cause I, I think it was in the tribune or something that I saw it was mentioned. And, uh, it's really just, man, what, what, what a way to give back to a focus group of our police officers and firefighters. And, you know, I'm sure they, they appreciate the heck out of it. I mean, what a day. We had a guy the first year, uh, one of the cops from Hinsdale, and they told me that it's okay if I call them cops, so they, they're okay. With that. <laughs> uh, I was about to say that. I don't know if that's. He came up to me after the event was over, and he said, "I just want to let you know something." He goes, "I've played golf my whole life, and I've driven by this place for 17 years while I've been on the force, and I always wondered if I'd ever get a chance to play it." So that was pretty cool. Yeah, the guy I'd never met before. Never met him before. Wow. And then we we don't need a lot, but we we probably have probably have about a dozen members that come out and volunteer for the day so they'll help yeah. me out that's awesome so yeah no that's that's uh, kudos to you guys it sounds like an awesome event uh, and we'd love to help out too if you guys ever need any anything from our, oh, I'll hit our you little up. don't worry about it <laughs> yeah um so you've been the the head pro here at ruth lake for how long this is my 22nd year i started in 1998 and you were just uh bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when you showed up or what, where were you before that 32 uh, I was uh, the head pro at Joliet Country Club for three years, from 95 to 97. First assistant at Exmoor Country Club in Highland Park uh, in 93 and 94. And then I started in the business in uh, 1986, working at Hillcrest Country Club in Long Grove. It's called The Grove now. The Grove, yeah, that's right. Um, they got a bunch of, I think they got a lot of renovations going on there now. Either the clubhouse they, or the course. They do. They have, uh, they have new owners. So the same owners that own new owners that own Royal Fox, uh, where my buddy Alex Mendez is the uh, director of golf now, uh, they own that and they own the Grove. Gotcha. Oh, cool. Well, and and you are uh, born and bred in the area too. Where did you grow up? Born and raised Joliet, Illinois. All right, Joliet, Illinois. The uh, the what city? I don't know. What what would you call? Home of the Blues Brothers. Home know. of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people might. Uh, notice Joliet it from, Jake. That's right. The, 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 is it the uh, <coughs> the prison that they film in? Is mm-hmm. actually in Joliet there? Yeah, I've been down there. I went to a haunted house there. It scared the life out of me. Yeah, it's the haunted house I believe is at the new prison. The movie was filmed at the old prison, which is on the other side of town, which is like a landmark now. There's nothing that goes on there. Gotcha. I I uh, I mean this. Every, everyone I meet from Joliet, I really do enjoy spending time with. 
I've met some characters. I've met some serious characters that that are from Joliet, and some that are members of our golf society will will understand that. But uh, what is it about people from from Joliet? It's just a little small, bit different. It's just a small town thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, pretty blue collar town. Eighty thousand people when I was growing up. It's probably way more than that now. I still live down there. I still live in Plainfield, just outside of there. So it's probably just a small town thing. And then the uh, the game of golf. I think it's always interesting to hear you know someone like yourself that for uh, three decades or, or so has been you know in in the game of golf from a profession standpoint. How, how did you get your start playing golf? What course did you grow up on? Uh, Where did all that start? I wasn't a country club kid and I wasn't a caddy. I grew up playing the the park district courses uh, in Joliet. So I lived on the east side of town. So I played a course called Woodruff, which is still down there. A little par sixty eight, no par fives. And um, 13 years old, I'd get dropped off, uh, dropped off in the morning and picked up at dark. And we just, no range, just played all day. Uh, they had a great deal for Park District, you know, Park District family, so it cost next to nothing and good way to stay out of trouble. Yeah. And then uh, I think I turned, uh, the pro side of it didn't, st- I played in high school for Providence High School. Tried to walk on at Illinois State, didn't make it either year at Illinois State, and then uh, left college after two years and went down to work with one of my teammates. Um, uh, well, he would have been one of my teammates if I made the team, uh, John Platt, but I grew up playing golf with him. And uh, he said, do you like your job? And I said, no, I really don't like it. I said, I'm working midnights, working just for a job. What, what were you doing? I was working in a cabinet factory. I was the night watchman. And uh I uh nice guys and everything, but I just I didn't want I didn't want to do that for a long time and he says, "Why don't we move to Florida?" He goes, "One of our teammates is uh, assistant pro down at PJ National. If we can go down and work in the back room." So we loaded up our cars and with the thought of maybe never coming back and the rest is history. There you go. Yeah. And and you are back and you got to a wonderful family and, and an extended family here at, at a place like Ruth Lake that I know they. Uh, Ruth met. Lake has treated me like family from day one. And and there, you know, all, all clubs have their uniqueness, but there uh, seems to be a pretty good bond here amongst members and and families and friends. What what do you attribute a lot of the uh, the culture of your club to? Uh, I'd probably have to attribute it to the leadership of the club. Uh, you know, they've you don't see a lot of loyalty anymore. Um, especially in golf and you know this is my 22nd year I think it's our superintendent's 18th year it's our general managers I think 10th or 11th year we've got a number of employees that are over 25 or 30 years our tennis pro's been here I want to say 28 years and um, they just um, they've always kind of treated us like extended family you know it's it's a privilege to be able to drive in the gates and work at a place like this. And, uh, you know, if you do your job and surround yourself with good people, you know, sometimes it's, it pays off. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I think places matter, right? Great golf courses and good, um, uh, amenities and things of that nature. But, uh, to hear that, you know, people that have all been a part of the team for that long, I'm sure that has a massive impact on, you know, showing up to a place that makes you feel, at home and, and part of a membership. That's, that's really cool. Uh, spe- speaking of the places. So the golf course, uh, I'm a total Langford and Moreau, uh, geek and junkie. 
And I just, uh, I've started to seek out more of, of there. I grew up on one as a kid, a little private club, um, one of probably three clubs in Akron, Ohio. But uh, uh, since that time, I, I didn't really appreciate Langford and Moreau for what they did. I had to travel a little bit and, and go play some other places. Uh, and I, ha- I haven't had the, the privilege of playing here. But um, tell me a little bit about the golf course, what, you, what, what your take is on it. You probably know it fairly well, better than most. Uh, what, what do you love about the golf course here? Well, it started out where it was just a, you know, I, f- I thought that it was a, a really nice members golf course, always well conditioned. We've only had two superintendents in the years that I've been in here. And the one that left here went to Medina and then he went to TPC San Antonio and now he's a superintendent at Mediterra in Naples. So he went on to some pretty good stuff. And uh, Dan, our su- Dan Marco, our superintendent, you know, who's a good friend of mine, he's a little bit more of the golf historian than me he could probably dive into the Langford stuff more with you uh, there's not much Langford and Moreau fingerprints left on the golf course because it was restored in 04 and 05 by Arthur Hills so there's there's a little bit more Arthur Hills to it than there is Langford and Moreau but basically what it did is it went the restoration which started out as a bunker project but it turned out to be a really cool restoration it basically took us from a nice members course to what I would consider a big boy golf course. I mean, scorecard only says it's like 6,400 yards and change, par 71, but it's always in great condition. It plays a lot tougher than that. Um, Par threes are all good. Uh, Par fives are shorter, which is why the scorecard yardage is lacking. The par fours are tough. And and then this August, we're going to host the... um, the PGA section championship. So um, that's kind of neat because that's always been hosted at places like Medina, Olympia Fields, um, Stonewall Orchard. And uh, so for us to get uh, a chance to get in, I don't know if we'll stay in the rotation, but for us to get a chance to get in there, I think the, I think the course will really, we'll get a chance to really show it off. I mean, we've hosted U.S. Senior Open Qualifier, U.S. Women's Open Qualifier, U.S. Mid-Am qualifier, but um, this is the biggest thing on a section level that we'll be hosting. So it'll be kind of cool to see how it stands up. Yeah. What, what would you uh, – it's stroke play, I assume. 54-hole stroke play with a 36-hole cut. So with the, the talent – Winning score predicted? Yeah, yeah, with the talent uh, in the section. I'm going to predict the winner to be Travis Johns just because he's played here enough and he owns this place. He has a, the course record – from the back tees at 62, which is nine under. I'm going to say that the winning score is going to be 12 under par. 12 under par over 54 yeah. holes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that stands the test with the guys yeah. that got a lot of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I like you going a step further, though, and giving us an actual name to predict for a winner. <laughs> Probably just upset a bunch of other people, right? They're like, I'm going to show Mark. I'll motivate him all. He yeah, he doesn't think I can get out motivate there. motivate him all. I'll show him. We'll get more people listening to this podcast it, by me making you. bold predictions like that. Yeah, that's right. You you come here for the takes. That's we've right. Been, we've been very safe. Now people are going to start coming for the takes. There you go. Uh, so you, you mentioned the section. You were are, are you were president of the section last year, and is that? Yes. Yeah, my term ended in November. So I ha- I'll have this year as honorary president, and then next year as honorary president, and then I'm done. Gotcha. And are you? So I, I've just always been curious to, uh, you know, I grew up with a lot of PGA professionals as, as friends, and um, 
the the president role do do you elect a cabinet for the section what what are your duties do people when they greet you when you show up at the club do they say hello mr president like what what what, what comes with There's it a Any few perks? people that want to throw me jabs do that <laughs> uh no, there. Uh, you know what I tell people is, it was an honor to do it. Obviously, there's only been 27 of us in Illinois in a hundred. Well, 28 now because Jim Miller's our president now. But 28 of us in 102 years. So that's that's a big honor, and uh, and I I'm still thankful to all my peers and friends for allowing me to do it. But you don't do a ton. I mean, a few more meetings, a few more phone calls, a few more texts, a few problems here and there. But it's mostly uh, all the all the section work is done by our executive director, Carrie Williams, her staff. I've got to make sure I don't forget anybody. Kathy Kraft, Palmer Moody, Brad Slocum, Dana Gatone, Nancy Schaefer. Gosh, I hope I didn't forget anybody. But um, there's been obviously some past employees as well. But uh, my my officership was actually something I didn't plan on. I just planned on doing my eight years and kind of coasting through. And I want to say my first year as vice president, our 20-something-year employee and 17-year executive director, Michael Miller, resigns. And he went. He moved to run the southwest section out in Scottsdale. So we're tasked with hiring a new executive director, and uh, you know we couldn't be happier. We had we had a lot of great candidates. Uh, the interview process was really cool. Uh, PGA Career Links did a uh, an executive platinum search for us, and uh, Carrie Williams used to work for us, and then she was she was the executive director of the IJGA. So it was kind of like bringing her back home. It just seemed like a, just seemed like a natural fit. And my guess is, she'll be doing it long after I'm done with this. So yeah. I think we, I think we did good, and I think we got the right person. Yeah, she's she's awesome. We we actually had her on an early podcast when I had no idea what I was doing. Well, I still don't, but uh, Carrie is a rock star. You can tell she's really cool. Well, just let me know if I can go back and listen to that podcast and see if she gave me a plug like I gave her a plug. <laughs> Uh, of course you did. Yeah. No, I think there was multiple <laughs> plugs, if I remember correctly. Uh, <laughs> no, the so so the, the PJ profession. I, um, you know, you've seen a lot of changes, obviously, in, in your in your time. What what do you think the next ten to twenty years will look like? Or what what are your, maybe better way to ask the question? Like, what are some of your hopes for the PJ profession as as times you know continue to change and, and things uh, adapt? What would you like to see uh, the PJ profession do more of? Maybe. Well, one thing that one thing that uh, PGA professionals can never get away from is we have to always teach and we have to teach and play the game. We have to always teach and play the game. It's very easy nowadays to get tied up in administration, you know, get locked in this tiny office like we are right now, um, get buried with paperwork. Uh, some of us are uh, fortunate enough. Uh, that our clubs have allowed us to be shop owners, which is, uh, you know, a business inside the business. And um, at the end of the day, it's still a people business. And, you know, country clubs wouldn't be here if it wasn't for golf. 
everybody's here for golf. They're, you know, the, the social aspect is big now. You know, you've got platform tennis and clubs are evolving more into year-round facilities. But people are only here for golf and we're only here for service. We're only here for service and we have to never get away from that we have to be able to teach and play the game and we have to continue to provide the best service. I wouldn't, you could easily say that you could call us politicians, but I don't think I would go that far. You hear that a lot. It's just because we have to wear many hats. I mean, you've been, you guys have been around golf enough that if you walked in enough golf shops, you'd see the sign that's hanging in my shop where it's got the definition of a PGA professional. It's got like 30 things listed on there. Um, and they're all true, but it's what we love to do, you know. So as long as we're teaching the game, playing the game, fitting people for golf clubs, and um, and people skills, people skills service. Yeah. You know, because, you know, this place could run itself, but we like to think that we provide a level of service that they're not going to find anywhere else. And I think the members have shown us over the years that they appreciate that. Yeah, yeah and, and I've... Um I've heard that from here, but but elsewhere. I mean, uh, the, the, those those are key key fundamentals. Sound like fundamentals to, to what success in the role uh, requires. When you're teaching, do you still get to get out and teach much? I know you got I a teach good a staff. Lot. Yeah. yeah, I teach a lot. I I went through a uh, I went through a period when uh, probably pre nine eleven when uh, the shop was really busy and um, you know the membership was bursting at the seams. And I took a philosophy that, which I still have this philosophy, our assistant pros, the the gap between where they're at and where we're at is too big, so uh, financially. So I had a philosophy that I would always want, the, uh, if someone wanted to take a lesson with me, I'd, I'd be happy to give it to any person of any skill level, juniors, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I always try to steer the lessons in the direction of my assistants because it was more money for them. And then, um, you know, maybe it took the economy hitting, maybe to realize, you know, the financial side of it. But I was like, you know what? I want to get back on the range a little bit more. And I want to, you know, I want to start working with people. So I developed a plan, uh, which is like, uh, I call it my, I call it my uh, ultimate package where it's the whole summer, and now that we have an indoor simulator, I turned it into where they could actually buy a wraparound package. So I'll, I'll set a price, and if someone signs up with me, they get unlimited lessons. They can have them whenever they want. I'm on call, basically. That's awesome. and It's a fair price for them. It's a fair price for me. You know, you get some money up front, so it's kind of nice, but um, that was kind of what really um, brought my passion for teaching back because... You know, a lot of times when you teach, you get, you know, Mark could come up to you and say, hey, Mark, can you help me out? And I say, what's wrong? And he goes, well, I got the shanks. Really? I mean, <laughs> can you give me a call before you get the shanks? <laughs> can you make this a little you bit know, more so, fun for me? So it, it seemed to be always Band-Aid driven, yeah. you know, and emergency driven. But then once I started working with people on a regular basis, it was, it really became a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and now... The Band-Aid stuff doesn't even bother me. Yeah, because you know? part of a bigger picture, right? Yeah. I mean, there was an old-time pro. Uh, he's he's dead now. Uh, his name was Howie Robinson, and he was famous for famous for a teaching story. He, t- he taught a lot. And I was a young assistant working for my first boss at Hillcrest, who was a great player, Steve Benson. 
and those guys kind of took me under their wing and they told me this teaching story about Howie. Howie once in a while would get the shanks. So there was a lady, he worked at a public golf course. She called him for a lesson and he said, sure. So she came out, she gets in the cart, they're driving to the range. He goes, okay, so tell me a little bit about your golf game. Tell me what's going on. She goes, well, she goes, I kind of, I kind of got the shanks. I hit it sideways. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He turns the car around, does a 360. He goes, I don't do those kind of lessons. <laughs> he goes, it's too, it's too traumatic for me. I can't be. Like, oh. There's some stories, no matter what you do for a living, you're going to remember stories for the rest of your life. And I was like a young 24-year-old assistant. They told me that story. I couldn't believe it. That's, that's really good. And uh, do you have a, a philosophy for for your coaching? Is there anything that uh, you've you've seen work with more people that you, like a system or any coaches that inspire you? What, what how do you like to coach? Over the years, I've you know I've I've uh, I haven't really been a um, like a like a big time teacher, even though I was fortunate enough to. I got named uh, Golf Digest top teacher in state like five times, and I think I made it as high as number five. Um, but um, I, I never, I've, I've listened to a lot of a lot of big names teach, and I've watched a lot of big names teach. But uh, probably the one that I give the most credit to would probably be, and he probably doesn't get enough credit, is Dr. Jim Suddy, and. Um, that was how I first got exposed to video uh, and very technical teaching, uh, which I'm not. Um, you know, I, I'll use video. We use TrackMan here. We've got the numbers in the simulator and everything like that. But um, I don't really have a methodology, so to speak. I, I'm a big believer that um, there's a lot of different ways to get it done. Um, and there's no right way and no wrong way. There's a couple of important things. Uh, I think most people could do do themselves more good than bad if they looked toward their fundamentals before they started trying to rip apart their golf swing. I mean, I can't tell you how many lessons I give that, you know, if you just show someone where they're aiming or show someone their ball position, grip's a little bit more dicey than that. you got to be careful if you change how someone holds the golf club, even though most don't hold it the right way. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's just learning how to adapt with each individual. You know, there's a lot of times when you give someone a lesson, even if somebody you've worked with a lot and you know real well, and they'll say, yeah, my new swing. And I, I say, no, wait a minute. You, you don't have a new swing. It's your golf swing. You know, we're just trying to find ways to make you a little bit more efficient. That's all. I mean, we could change your whole swing if you want, but I've, I've personally, I've never done it with anyone. I've never, and I'm sure some of the full-time teachers have, I know they have, but I've never had someone come to me and say, hey, I'm doing this and I don't want to do it anymore, I want to do this. You know, that, that just, that doesn't happen as often as people think. Interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, and the, uh, oh, you just reminded me of something. I, I think the about your golf swing. What do you? Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm so selfish here. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of my own game. I'm like, man, I do kind of. No, I was gonna say like the importance of you, you said the small stuff. Uh, that's what it was: alignment, ball position, uh, posture. It, posture. It, a lot of that's just awareness for a player, right? Like they might not just be aware. Oh, for sure. And what I don't understand: how, how would people become aware if uh, someone with a you gotta get eye, a second set of eyes? You got to. 
got to get a second set of eyes. You got you to eat. Even it doesn't matter. I mean, I take lessons from all my staff. I want to know. I want to know what they're out, what they're telling people out there. I take lessons from all my friends. Uh, the guy that got me into golf that we drove down to Florida together, he teaches down at Mistwood. He's my go-to guy. John Platt. Anytime I need anything about my swing, that's who I go to. That's who my daughters go to. Even though I help them, that's who my daughters go to. Need to go so- to someone different than dad. That, that dad. That um, but yeah, you need you need a second set of eyes. You, you just you just do. Even if even if someone could just treat themselves to one hour a year, just one hour a year, split it into two half hours if you want, because you have no idea, you know, perception's not reality. You know, what you see from the side of the golf ball that you're playing on, it's not what you think it is most of the time. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, probably what drives us all crazy and keeps us playing the game. That's probably it too. It's the obsession. Um, you mentioned uh, family, so your your family plays. I know you you and your wife work in the industry. Are your kids going to be in the golf industry as well? Or are they just enjoying the game? What what where are they at? Both daughters um, played for their high school for four years. Uh, I wish they would have played more and uh, listened to me, but I didn't want to force it down. <laughs> well, their you weren't throat. their coach, though. You weren't their coach. They no, I wasn't. But I still played with them a lot, and I still, you know, you could still make a case for I should have made them play more and made them play in more tournaments. But they basically didn't pick up a club until the high school golf season started, and uh, but they were both pretty good. You know, they could both break a hundred, and uh, pretty good golf swings. My oldest played for four years. She still plays recreationally. Uh, she's graduating from Grand Canyon University next month, and she's going to do a. Even though she's graduating, they're calling it an internship. She's going to do a ten-week internship with uh, with Callaway Golf out oh, in Carlsbad. That's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, she's got a little graduation trip that she had planned already before that. And then hopefully, if the internship goes well, you know, she'd like to relocate out there and uh, maybe start her marketing career out there. And then my youngest played for four years in high school, and um, you know, another another friend, dear friend in the business, Scott Lundy who's down um, working in uh, Lockport at Prairie Landing, or Prairie Bluff. He's the uh, women's golf coach at University of St. Francis. Um, and uh, he he came to me after regionals last year, and he says, hey, where's, uh, where's your daughter going to play in college? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, she shot 94 at conference. That's the best score she's ever shot in her life. I, he goes, I go. She's got a nice swing, though. He goes. I really like her upside. He goes. I'd like to. I'd like her to come play for me, and that's what she did oh, this that's year. That's awesome. And she's having a blast. So she's, she's having a blast. Freshman she's on the team. Freshman on the team. Uh, didn't travel last year. Uh, maybe might crack the lineup this spring, but probably not. They got some seniors, and she's been working on her game a little bit, getting getting to learn how to become a player, and she's able to do a little cheerleading down there. So it's uh, it's a small school. She's a commuter, but. Uh, she loves it. She's having a great time with it. That's awesome. So, yeah, the game's been good. The game's been good to uh, me and my family. Absolutely, obviously. Uh, it, we, we talk a little bit about um, uh, women in the game. I'd, I'd be curious to get your take. So we have about 5% of our, our membership uh, female. Most of them are, are what you're saying, which is, uh, you know, uh, high school golfers probably fell out of the game, didn't uh, grow up, you know, immersed in it. We got some that were college golfers, but – what do you think, you know, as the world of golf, it's pretty male-dominated. We all know that. But uh, making the leap, so, you know, your daughter's making the leap from 
playing college golf or uh, just recreational golf to, to keeping it in their life mm-hmm. because because I know we have we have a trouble you know our average age is 33 and uh, if you look at the the females in our group they're they're having kids or uh, they're really focused on their career and, and golf just kind of drops off like it would for anybody but I'm curious you know what, what do you think would help for more female participation well I mean I, I can give it to you on the on the private perspective um, because we've really focused on it a lot the last couple of years um, at Ruth Lake and it, it not only revolves around the women uh, but it revolves around the, the, the juniors as well the kids and uh, to be able to include the whole family in activities especially you know especially at a high-end private country club I mean when you write that check it's a big decision to make and you're right you're right about the women you know they've got their careers or they're raising their kids and they just don't have time for it, even if they were good at it, even if they played it their whole life. But eventually, eventually, the saying that we all use, that it's a game of a lifetime, it comes full circle. And when it comes full circle, you've got to be able to make sure that you're providing stuff for the ladies and the kids as well as the guys. So, you know, we have, uh, we have competitive programs. We have mixed couples programs. We have tee it forward programs. We have less than 18-hole programs. We have less than nine-hole programs. We have five and wine where they can come out and play five holes. They can play as many holes as they want, have a glass of wine. And um, just to get them to keep, keep them in touch with their club and keep them in touch with the game. And, you know, you, if you make everyone in the family happy instead of just the dad or the husband... It's you're an instant hero. More value. You're an yeah, instant hero, and there's more value. There's more value for them. Yeah. You know. And then on the non-golf side, you know, you've got the, uh, you've seen uh, the, the where you're going to your clubs that your members are members of. Whether you're seeing year-round stuff, you know, uh, shooting, uh, uh, skeet shooting, uh, paddle tennis, platform tennis, cross-country skiing, indoor simulators. Mm-hmm things like that so um it's just um including them letting them know letting them know that they're included providing programs for them and then making it year-round yeah it's a big deal yeah and and the uh that's 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 so true the um ability to have it as kind of a a part of your life and even like a smaller part of your life as long as it's we always say it's club in hand you know, if you can just get a club in your hand every once in a while it keeps it a little fresher right so when you do have the time to finally come back to it uh, you're you're a little bit more familiar and more excited, perhaps. Uh, but it sounds like you guys are doing some of the, uh, you know, not 18 hole golf. So so many of us think you know golf is 18 holes, but uh, on the private club level, it sounds like you're already doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Just want to keep keep them engaged, keep them keep them playing. Yeah. Uh, a couple last questions for you. So I, I like this one a lot. What's the most fun you've had on the golf course? My first hole in one was with my wife. She had no idea it went in the hole. We were just walking a little nine-hole golf course where we lived in Gurney and a little 110-yard par three. So she was with me for that. That was cool. Um, My third hole-in-one, which I only have three, but my third hole-in-one was on number one here at Ruth Lake, which is a par four, and that was with my whole family because we'd come out sometimes on Mondays just to play four or five holes 
when the girls were in middle school and then in high school. So they were in middle school. They weren't in high school yet. And just so we could get enough holes in, uh, I would always play the tees that they played. And we'd never get more than four or five holes in. And um, so we teed off from the ladies' tees on number one. And I hit a driver, and I hit it pretty good. Holes 264 from the ladies' tees. And we get up there. You know, they hit a few shots. We get up there. My wife's just riding around. She's not hitting. And we can't find my ball. And I said, uh, I don't remember if it was Sarah or Dana. I said, hey, why don't you go up and see if it's in the hole? And uh, they went up there. Hey, Dad, it's right here. So my first and third hole-in-one were with my family, which is cool, because uh, the first hole-in-one, I didn't have any kids yet. And one, and the third hole-in-one was on a par four. So those are probably the two coolest, because they involve family and golf. Um, but there's a there's a bunch of others. I got to give a lesson to Michael Jordan. Um, and... Uh, What'd you focus on? What part of his game did you see? Oh, I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. Did you say, Mike, you're, you're just not confident enough. You've got to be more <laughs> confident out here. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a bunch, but those those hole-in-one ones kind of stick out. That I I love that story, playing with your family from you know the forward tee yeah. and you can one. Tee it forward, right? Were they impressed? Or it sounded like no when clue. she pulled it out, she was like, oh, yeah, Dad, you're in, you're in no this, idea. this I mean, little tiny I hole. I mean, Joanne knew... <laughs> Joanne knew because she'd seen the first one and she had been around golf more and obviously had been a part of my life already for 15 years by that time. She knew it was a big deal, but they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. But it was cool. <laughs> but you probably, that's, that's awesome. Love that. Uh, last question for you. I know we t- last time I chatted with you, we were talking about some book, but what, what's your favorite book on golf or your favorite golf book? Is there anything that... We got a lot of members who are always looking for referrals of stuff to read to get a little more into the game. Anything you like? I'm actually mad because I I lent this copy to someone, and I never got it back, and I don't think you can get it anymore. So if you find a way to get it, let me know. It's called On Learning Golf, and the author is Percy Boomer. On Learning Golf. Percy Percy Boomer. That's my favorite golf book. And you, you don't. And think why do I like it? Because it makes it makes golf and the golf swing simple. It's a cool book. It's a cool book. And obviously, uh, the other book that I never read, but I listened to it uh, on audio in my car. The match is awesome. I'm in, I'm actually reading that right now. Oh, it's so good. I haven't finished. I I, I am. Uh, oh, it, it's. It's so good. Yeah, for those who haven't read it, it's uh, they say it's the the day the game of golf changed forever, and it's two amateurs playing against two of the best professionals in the world at Cypress Point, a secret match, and they, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all into it. I can't put it down. It's it's hard to put down. It's like there were times where I would just keep driving just to listen to it, um, you know, and that's another cool moment as well, getting the opportunity to play there twice and actually, you know, seeing the seeing the plaque that's there and that that's yeah that's that's a great book yeah well mark thanks for making uh, some time for us we know you guys are busy getting ready for thanks the season. for including me it's been fun yeah this was this was a lot of I'll fun i'll sit down and, and talk golf forever i know and we could the only thing we were missing is some beers that's yeah, all we'll get some beers. i'm at work so we can't do that you got any nyquil i know you're fighting <laughs> that cold maybe we just yeah you know i think i think one thing that's so cool is we touched a lot on uh great golf great golf experiences and family and when I think about you, I, I know your family's in the game, and, and uh, those are two things I'm going to think about is great golf and family. So thanks for uh, for bringing us in today and letting us chat with you. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, 
Thanks for uh, what you do for Joanne and what you guys do for golf, what you guys are doing for young golfers. And, uh, you know, new club's got a lot of good things in front of it. Mm-hmm.